Hi everyone and welcome. My name is Lucia. And I'm Cory, and we are the hosts of Reading Materials, a bookish podcast in which we take it in turns to select a book or series of books, read it, and then discuss it on the show. In this episode, we will be discussing Foundation by Isaac Asimov. There will be spoilers throughout the episode. So, without further ado, let's dive right in. everybody and welcome this is episode five of the reading materials podcast i'm cory and i'm lucia and today we are going to be talking about foundation by isaac asimov but before we get there how are you i'm good i'm very good thank you it's been uh it's been a nice two weeks since we last did this uh, my birthday last week, so I was very happy about that. Thank you again for my present. You are most welcome. <laughs> and how are you? Yes, I am fine. I have got engaged and planned a wedding since the last time we recorded. <laughs> so exciting. Congratulations. Oh Thank you. I am very excited. I feel like the smile is never going to go off my face. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this year suddenly got a lot busier because we've decided to get married this year instead of waiting a sensible amount of time like sensible humans. Why would you wait? There is no such thing as a sensible amount of time. Exactly, and I'm also going to be making my wedding dress, which I'm a mentalist, but, you know, we'll see how that goes. (laughs) (laughs) How long do you think it's going to take? I don't know. I started knitting the beginning of it this evening, um, you have to first knit a tension square so that you know how tight the fabric is going to be. Yeah. And I feel like at some point I'm going to have to just be like, well, I'm knitting my wedding dress. Because if I try to hide the fact that I'm knitting it, I'm never going to have any time to knit because we live together and we're quarantined together slash Mm -hmm. in lockdown together. So... We're just never apart, and (laughs) I've knitted a dress once before, and it took a while, but I also wasn't working full-time at that point, so I had a lot more time. Hmm. But we'll we'll see how it goes. Watch this space. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Excellent. Last episode was the 10,000 Doors of January. Yes. And I think we asked if anyone else had read anything by Alex E. Harrow. I think we were supposed to do some kind of background reading on her as well, and I definitely didn't do that. No, so. I didn't either. Oh, well. Oh, oh so well. So we'll just <laughs> casually ignore the homework we give each other, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I suppose we can just move straight into foundation. So we can. Okay, why don't you so... start us off and say why you chose this book? There's a bit of a backstory here. When my brother Ashton and I were in our late teens, we both read Red Mars by Kim Stanley Robinson, which I read first and then thought, oh my gosh, Ashton must read this. And we both absolutely loved. I think that the the Mars series is, or trilogy, is one of the most influential books that I have ever read in terms of sci-fi. And this Christmas, I was sort of 
trying to remember or think about things to give Ashton because we had set ourselves a pretty small limit on budget because everybody was saving for purchasing houses and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so I could buy a book with the budget. And I did some research on the most influential sci-fi books of all time. And the Foundation series by Isaac Asimov was one of the things that came up. So I bought it and gave it to him and he read it and he said it was really good. So I thought, oh, I want to I want to read that. And here we are today, both slightly worse off for the experience, I think. Foundation <laughs> is the first volume in Isaac Asimov's world-famous saga and winner of the Hugo Award for Best All-Time Novel Series. Long after Earth was forgotten... A peaceful and unified galaxy took shape, an empire governed from the majestic city planet of Trantor. The system worked and grew for countless generations. Everyone believed it would work forever, everyone except Harry Selden. As the greatest scientific thinker of his age, Selden could not be ignored. Reluctantly, the Commission of Public Safety agreed to finance the Selden Plan. The coming disaster was predicted by Selden's advances in psychohistory, the mathematics of very large human numbers and it could not be averted. The Empire was doomed. Soon, Trantor would lie in ruins. Chaos would overtake humanity, but the Selden plan was a long-term strategy to minimise the worst what was to come. Two foundations were set up at opposite ends of the galaxy. Of the second, nothing can be told. It guards the secrets of psychohistory. Foundation is the story of the first foundation, on the remote planet of Terminus, from which those secrets were withheld. The epic story of the Foundation is one of the great classics of science fiction. For 50 years, the innovative genius of Isaac Asimov has surged ahead of real time. He is the grandmaster of the genre. Oh, Corey, I'm not going to lie. This was a struggle. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I did finish it in the end. I know I messaged you yesterday that I was giving up, but Mm. I, I went on and I finished it half an hour ago. I gave it one star. I gave it one star as well. I initially gave it three stars, and then I was like, no, actually, doesn't deserve my stars. No, I don't think I've ever rated a book this low before. Halfway through reading it, because we were supposed to record last week, Mm -hmm. and I had finished the book that day, and you hadn't yet finished it, Mm -hmm. so... We postponed it, and at that point I said, should we just give up now, because... Or no, it was even before then I said, I'm really struggling as well, can we just give up? And I think I've actually read it probably about four times, because I kept having to go back and reread previous chapters, because I just couldn't remember anything it was like I was just reading something that I'd looked at for the first time and that did not improve the experience if I'm honest yeah I completely agree I did not go back and reread sections Mm. but I did find myself thinking I don't remember how we got here um what is actually going on I suppose I'll just say right off the bat that I think the thing that um disappointed me the most is the absolute lack of sci-fi in this supposedly phenomenal sci-fi novel. Mm. At the beginning of the book, I suppose maybe for the first 50, 60 pages, I was actually quite enjoying it. I was quite looking forward to what was going to happen. I found it really interesting. Okay, we've got this galactic empire. 
there's going to be some crises. They've managed to somehow foresee the future. And this all sounds really interesting. And then nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, f- I felt exactly the same. I thought that when we were initially on Trantor was super interesting. And I was really quite excited for what was going to happen. And mm-hmm. exactly the same as you. It sort of then just completely petered off. There was the... I mean... The characters, God knows who was who and what did what and, you know, any of it. I have since finishing it read up quite a lot about the book. Mm-hmm. And I normally don't let myself do that before I read a book, especially for this, because I don't want to see any spoilers and I want to have an authentic experience of reading the book for the first time. And having done some research it makes a hell of a lot more sense because it was originally five books and so it was the psychohistorians, the encyclopedists, the mayors, the traders, the merchant princes are the five sections of the book now and those five sections were originally short stories published under different names. Mm-hmm. And the first one, so the first bit that we see was published last. Oh, and I wonder if that's why we both enjoyed it more, because he was a more experienced writer at that point. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't know which version of the book you had. My version had an introduction written by the author. I don't know if yours did. No. Um, in the introduction, he said something very similar, that it had originally been published as these short stories in some magazine, I think. Mm. Yeah, And then he was convinced by his publisher that he should keep on writing, that apparently it's mm. really good, and he they want to know more about what happens to Foundation and the Empire. So I read that before I started reading the story. Now, there were other parts of this introduction that put me off almost immediately. It was It sounded very toot my own horn kind of thing of he mentioned the fact that he won some award the for Hugo best award. series yes mm. for best sci-fi series and oh I thought that J.R.R. Tolkien was going to win for Lord of the Rings but actually I did That's like, mm. for God's sake man so I was expecting I think my expectations were just really high I don't really read a lot of sci-fi so I didn't really know what to expect I was aware of the fact that he'd written this in the 1940s, so I suppose he he could have done anything, is what I'm saying. And also the fact that he's a professor of biochemistry, so he does have a scientific background. I just thought that there would be more science. And there wasn't really any, apart from the fact that they can travel through the galaxy at warp speed but for example paper still exists like they still primarily write on paper they still they still smoke cigarettes yeah they still use coal for energy Mm. or nuclear those seem to be the only two things Mm. um you still have diseases like diabetes and appendicitis i would have thought that maybe thirty thousand years in the future we would have overcome such things Mm. but apparently not um yeah i felt very much the same. I sort of gave him a pass on some of it because nuclear power in the 40s was obviously really high technology. 
And there was no space travel. We hadn't been to the moon yet. I'm I can't remember when the you know, when the whole Leica voyage was where they got the dog into space. Um I think that was the fifties maybe. Yeah, so I think some of it you can sort of excuse it from that because obviously we are used to the age of sort of uh, space opera with Star Wars and Firefly mm-hmm. and high drama and it's really well developed and obviously they didn't have that at the time so maybe with us being kids of a sci-fi age in some ways in terms of what we have on tv we've we've had a completely different experience to if we had read it 30 years ago or 50 years ago but i do agree with you there was so much that was just like politics or Mm. trade or just stuff that if I'm if I hark back to Red Mars, there was a lot of sociology and psychology in it. It wasn't so heavy and so boring. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree. It it seemed to me that it was more politics more than anything else, and the only reason we would call it sci-fi is because it doesn't take place on planet Earth. Mm. So I think as a sort of foundation for modern sci-fi. You can definitely see parts of it, like if you think about Star Wars, where they're travelling between planets, and Star Wars came out in, I think, the 70s? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was pretty new at the time. The bit that I really, really enjoyed at the beginning was where he... I can't even remember what his name was now, and I know I'm bad with names, but this was a whole other level. The mathematician <laughs> who came to join Harry Selborne's... Yeah. Selborn, Selwyn, Sel something. Selden. Selden, that's the one. He got, he bought a ticket and he followed the light when he was pointing in the right direction. That sort of thing I really liked. Mm-hmm. And it did give me quite a lot of hope, but I think I was also just really disappointed by the fact that this was the best sci-fi book of all time. And, yeah. Mm. I made the I mistake agree. of buying the full trilogy. Oh, I'm not going to read the other two, if I'm honest. Mm-mm. No, me either. Um, I agree with everything you've said. When we were on Trantor at the very beginning, which is the capital of the Galactic Empire at the time, um, I really liked the all the descriptions of the planet itself, the fact that you don't have any greenery, you know, you have um, really, really tall skyscrapers with anti-gravity elevators. Um, but also a lot of people live underground, so, that, so they don't actually see the sun. You've got 40 billion people living on the planet. I was like, okay, this is really, okay, mm-hmm. I see where we're going with this. This is really interesting. And then it just, I think we're only there for maybe two or three chapters. And then suddenly we shift to a completely new planet a yeah. completely new time. All the characters are brand new. It's 50 I think years I th- later, yeah. Yeah. I found that a little bit confusing because you don't really spend enough time with any of the characters to really get invested in their story. Mm-hmm. You don't really find out anything about them either. There's no background. Yeah, there's a lot of, instead of, what is it? Show, not tell. That mm-hmm. was completely ignored. It was just a lot of dialogue mm. and not a lot of action. Mm. And I agree with you, you just don't get any context. Like, I genuinely had trouble reading, like, uh, understanding who these characters were, despite reminding myself who they were 
Mm-hmm. You almost needed a crib sheet of who was who, and I mean, if you need a if a book needs that, it's not a it's not a fiction novel to mm. reference text. <laughs> I wonder if that's kind of what he was going for as well, because the whole concept is that they're supposed to be writing the encyclopedia of the entire history of science and the human race, which again was a really interesting concept. So I I feel like a lot of the the elements were all there to make this really interesting and really gripping, but I just, I feel like it didn't get mm. there. And I wonder yeah. if maybe the next books do, but I don't care enough to find out. <laughs> I'm, I've got them on Audible, so I, I might try at some point, if I really run out of material, to listen to them. But what I found with this one is that I started it on Audible, and I had to stop because that whole... In our first episode, we talked about whether we read or how mm-hmm. we deal with audiobooks. And I was saying it's I really enjoy having something else in the background. But even when I was doing something as mundane as cleaning, I was finding myself like really concentrating on the cleaning rather than trying to listen to this book that I was really desperately trying to listen to because we'd set a deadline for it. Mm. And I th- I also feel like the central concept is the psychohistory which I guess if we translate it into English in some ways because it I don't think it exists I've never heard of it before it's basically just statistics and prediction Mm. um you know predictive science that could have been expanded on and made so much more interesting because you sort of touched on like Harry Seldon had predicted the fall of the galactic empire And it was going to take 30,000 years for us to come out of a kind of dark ages. And that was why the encyclopedia was needed. And if that was all it was, then there wouldn't have been that much about it. But then we find out that he can predict that by having a meeting with this young mathematician, that he's got a, I don't know, 60% chance of being arrested and executed or, you know, so you get down into the really granular level of it as well. And I, I feel like it would have been... I feel like it almost wasn't explored enough because he had an idea, but he he couldn't be bothered, for the people who can't see me, I'm bunny-earing, <laughs> <laughs> to develop it to the point where he had to actually explain the mechanics of it. It's just like really lazy writing. I agree, and I think I found the name itself, Psychohistory, quite confusing. So mm. I went and I looked it up because Psycho comes from Greek, unsurprisingly, And the word psyche means breath or soul. And obviously history is the study of the past. So I don't really know how the combination of these two words gets you statistical prediction of the future. No. (laughs) They say that it examines the why of history, but it doesn't really... I don't really know what it does... It's not, as you say, it's not really explained. So the only thing I can kind of extrapolate for myself is that possibly by putting together all historical events that have occurred, they can somehow make a model for if such a thing would happen in the future. Mm. I don't, maybe, I don't know. I think it calls into question the idea of fate a little bit, doesn't it? You know, Mm -hmm. is everything really just me dropping my pen a second ago is that going to then determine you know 
my eventual death or I, you mm-hmm. know I think there was a lot of that sort of I th- I think that that's what it was driving at but you're right it it just as a concept <laughs> a really badly named and b really badly explored I think I just didn't understand what was the point because it would have been more interesting if then the premise was okay we know that this is going to happen what can we do to stop it from happening whereas the take home message was we can't do anything this needs to happen so... let's make sure this happens yeah <laughs> yes there's, it's 99% going to happen but <laughs> yeah there's there's even a quote near the end of the book where one character asked the other so what are you going to do about this nothing i'm going to do absolutely nothing <laughs> mm. like, okay so we've spent 80 years getting to this point and the take home message is that inaction is the answer Mm. is it yeah there were a few elements of that inevitability that I found quite interesting so I think in the second part and the third part you had I think his name was Harden he was the mayor Mm -hmm. of Terminus which is where the encyclopedists ended up Mm -hmm. and I think one of his quotes was violence is the last resort of a stupid man or something. I can't remember exactly what it was. But that was quite interesting from a from a psychological point of view because it's navigating, okay, we automatically reach for our guns. What can we do that isn't that? Especially because that book would have been written in 1941, which mm. is right at the beginning of the Second World War. Mm-hmm. So I think that there, there could have been more in that. But again, it's just like such a fleeting moment in what is otherwise a pretty mundane story. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest, toward the end of the book, not a clue. I have no idea what happened. Me either. Um... I read the synopsis on Wikipedia, and I was even getting confused by the synopsis. <laughs> I couldn't keep track of what was what and who was who and where <clears throat> was where and... <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I think by the end where... He starts exploring, I suppose, even more different planets. It does become a little bit confusing. Which is annoying, because that could be really interesting. Yeah. I I don't know. Mm. Um, Was there anything you did like about it? No, not really. I I can't actually think of a single thing that I wrote down, and I was thinking, oh, I quite like this. Um. No. So there were a couple of things for me, like I say, the tickets at the beginning where he followed light to, to get to his taxi or whatever it was, and then there was also they had like a teeny nugget of plutonium or whatever it was on their belt, mm-hmm. and that provided a. Uh, a shield for the individual mm-hmm. and there was also one where he made a transmuter no mm-hmm. idea where in the book this happened but it turned iron into gold and I quite enjoyed those three things the ticket because the visualisation that I could have when mm-hmm. I'm still feeling fresh and excited about the book mm-hmm. um, and then the second one because that is quite an advanced 
concept that still happens now you know if you sort of think of like guardians of the galaxy where they've got their shields and they press a button or black panther where they or Mm -hmm. i don't know i quite enjoyed that just because it it speaks to the sci-fi side of me and Mm -hmm. what was the other thing i said (laughs) the little nugget of out of the transmuter yeah, so the sort of alchemy side of it, which is a really romantic and magical concept, even though scientifically you know it's impossible because you can't change elements because otherwise they wouldn't be elements. Yeah. There were just so many things. I mean, there's not a single woman in the whole book. Well, as it turns out, there is. Is there? But, yes, it's the wife of the Comdor. Yes, the one who's been sold into marriage for purposes. <sighs> yes. Yes, so I also wrote down no female characters, but this was obviously before I reached that part. But yes, that was very disappointing as well. And the fact that the there are two female characters that I can remember that actually make an appearance. One is a maid or some sort of servant. She works in the Commodore's house and she's used basically to show him the potential of this um, necklace, isn't it? New cl- necklace yeah. or something that the character, whatever his name is, is trying to sell. So she's just there to stand there and be awed by the fact that she's getting a necklace. That's her role. And then there is his wife, who is also amazed by this necklace, but also is just there to nag him all the time. She's a very negative character in in my eyes she's just there to basically say well if it wasn't for me and my rich father you would have nothing kind of thing they obviously don't care for each other even though they're married so yeah representation of women or female characters in this book very negative and even by the end they're referring to if they run out of nuclear power, then, you know, the housewife will, her stove will stop working and her mop will stop cleaning and her washing machine will stop working and they will have a revolt of the housewives. Yeah. It's like, really? Yeah. We're still on this? Mm. Like, you could write anything, any imagination of the future, but we're still mm. sticking to these gender roles. I think that's very much a symptom of it being written when it was and him being who he was or is i don't know if he's is he still alive i probably should no no he died yeah okay but you know when you sort of say in your in the introduction in your copy of the book he sounds like he's very arrogant Mm. that does not surprise me in the slightest and also me sort of saying well that's a symptom of when it was written that's not true because lord of the rings written around the same time loads of really strong powerful characters and that okay it's a completely different genre but You know, yeah, just uh, so (laughs) sexist. (laughs) Yes, and and like you say, he's he could invent anything because it's the future. It's a product of his imagination, and obviously he doesn't want women to Mm. move from the roles that they're in, even though they're already being asked to do things like join the land land army and, you know, make weapons in the factories and, okay, not in America, which is where he was from, or maybe it was, I don't know enough about American history during the war, 
it almost felt futile to be enraged about it because you were just like, well, he doesn't care. So, Mm. yeah, I feel kind of, I'm disappointed. Mm. (laughs) I'm I'm disappointed. I'm not angry. I'm disappointed. (laughs) Um, I'm not surprised. As you say, all these things, I think, kind of come together. It's the the fact that who who wrote it, when was it written, and the genre. Completely, Mm. it doesn't surprise me that there weren't any female characters or the ones that were there were portrayed in the way that they were portrayed. Mm. Um, I just find it generally disappointing when this happens in books because I'm not necessarily saying that you should always have empowered women, but if you don't have empowered women, then maybe use that as a way to have a commentary about why is this the way that it is. Mm. We just assumed that was the status quo and moved on. Yeah, exactly. Mm. One of the things that I found really interesting before we read it was I posted something on Instagram and Dom Conquest, who's one of my friends from uni, commented on it and said that the book was based on the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. Mm -hmm. And I haven't read that either, but it does sort of make sense that it was based on the rise and fall of an empire because that is what the story is about, despite the fact Mm -hmm. that it's set in the future. You just start to wonder where any of his sort of original ideas were. I don't know. I think I haven't read enough sci-fi. I haven't read anything by him before, so I really don't know. No, nor have I. I just know that he's the guy who wrote iRobot and the three laws... The Three Laws of Robotics, or whatever it's called. Um, I've seen the movie iRobot, but... <laughs> mm, I've <laughs> seen the movie iRobot. Um, the, the Three Laws of Robotics, I think that's interesting, because it's set in this universe, according to Wikipedia and my research. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why were there no robots in this? If it's set in the universe, mm. where are the robots? That would have made it much more interesting. And where are all the aliens? We've apparently colonize the whole of the galaxy and there aren't any alien mm-hmm. species out there it's all just humans everywhere yeah and i think i read this also on wikipedia that a lot of people had complained about these things i we're not the first ones who've noticed this lack of representation of aliens or robots or women in his work yeah like a part of me does wonder where the rest of the series goes if i'm not mistaken i think it's supposed to span the whole thirty thousand years i think Mm. or maybe not the full 30,000, but however much they said that they could shorten it by. Maybe Um, I will do some Wikipediaing, and I can let you know the next time we record what I find and if I have taken the step of listening to the next (laughs) few books, because I own them now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Are there really only three? I thought there were like seven. It's difficult to say, because I think this one is made of five short stories, and there are two more... Mm after this that were two novellas each so i think that brings us up to nine and then as far as i remember in the 80s he then started writing prequels as well well he obviously did have a bit of a thing about tolkien if he thought that lord of the rings was going to win the hugo award or Mm -hmm. whatever it was and it it feels like that sort of thing was started where you get robots where it's inhabiting the same universe and so maybe there is a lot more to it mm-hmm. it's just that i haven't been interested enough to find out 
which I'll bear in mind because maybe we should do something like that the next for like if we choose a series again or the first book in a series or something <laughs> which we have because the next one is the first in the trilogy yeah, so that's true but I feel like for that one because it's a genre that we're both familiar with and it's a bit more directed at our type of audience or the audience mm-hmm. that we fit within young adults slash not so young anymore but <laughs> you know, interested in fantasy and women, so got the interest in the romance side of things and all of that. I think that's what it is. I don't know enough about it. I don't know either. I've I've read the first chapter, so that's about it. So I feel like we will, if we were to read the first book and really like it, I would then not want to research the next two books before we recorded, because, like I say, I wouldn't want spoilers. Whereas with this, I wouldn't necessarily mind, because I don't care Mm -hmm. enough and it's so hard to judge that before you've even... Shut up, Alexa. <laughs> Can you hear Yes. <laughs> See, there wasn't even talking voices in Foundation. We are the future. I know. <laughs> I'm trying to think of... The only sci-fi that I've read was... The one about Mars. Red Mars. Not Red Mars, but... No, 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 oh, the one um, where... The Martian. The Martian, thank mm. you, yes. So I listened to that one, I, I listened to the audiobook, um, and I really, really enjoyed that. I bought actually. that on your recommendation, because you said you'd enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah, that's the only sci-fi that I've read. I don't think I've actually read any other sci-fi, and I really enjoyed that one. Mm. That was really, that was more science. Yeah, definitely. I'm not really sure if they... Yeah. So... Um... The thing is, you are familiar with sci-fi's concept because you've watched Firefly, right? I've watched Firefly. I've watched and you know Star, Star Wars, Wars Stargate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I think that's. I feel like Foundation would work really well if it was adapted for TV, and you got somebody who was a really talented writer who could use this as a skeleton and make it more relevant but then maybe that's exactly what star wars was maybe but then okay it's been a while since i've watched star wars so i know that there was a lot of politics involved but it wasn't the primary thing it didn't seem to me at least i watched most of it when i was a teenager and i really didn't understand anything about politics and i didn't care either but i think if you go back and you watch it now i've heard there's a podcast that i listen to hello internet and they're both massive star wars geeks mm-hmm. and they have really in-depth discussions about the politics. So maybe it's just it's one of those things that if you go back and you watch it with the context of a few years and knowing about the politics that happen as part of life, mm-hmm. you then pick up on that stuff more. But maybe. I have to be really honest, I've had a lot of abuse for this in the past. I really have very little interest in politics. I go and vote and I you know, do my civic duty... But I'm a bit cynical about the whole thing, and mm-hmm. I'm not interested enough to really dive deep into how politics works, because mm-hmm. I just find it really depressing. So it's not something that I would necessarily notice. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't know enough about it to ever get involved in any discussions. Um, I find it too big of a beast to really delve into, mm. so... And I think the other thing with that, with politics as well, is that so much of it is based on opinion and and not fact-based necessarily. Mm. And there's so much conflict. And even that, if I bring it back to the book, 
is loosely touched on Harden in the second book of the five short stories manufactures a coup by waiting for the announcement by Harry Seldon and then mm-hmm. becomes the supreme overlord of Terminus or whatever his official title is yeah but even that it's just so you get the talking you get them arguing about stuff but exactly, you, don't, yeah. you don't get the really interesting sides of it and the same with religion as well they create a religion that the nuclear power is supposed to support or you know they call the technology artifacts of the religion and you get mm-hmm. one priest who is a bit powerful and you get an uprising when when Harden is arrested by the king or his spokesperson his uncle but I mean yeah his but uncle, even just yeah, talking yeah. about it is so confusing and those are all just devices and you're told it's a religion but apart from the fact that you're told it's a religion I don't know that there's there's just not enough interesting in it for me to really pay enough attention to the aspects of it that are religious mm. yeah I agree it's it's exactly what you said it was mm. all tell mm-hmm. no show it was all just dialogue between people talking about something that will happen or has happened. I don't even know how the coup happened. I know it happened, but how did it happen? Like, was it actually a war? It didn't seem to be. Just from one minute to the next, oh, suddenly I'm in power without any real explanation as to how that happened. Yeah, I really don't know. But actually, now that I think back to it, I think I was quite with it for the first three books or the first three parts. Yeah. It's when we jumped even further in time after the second crisis Mm. that's where it kind of lost me when it became Mm. about the traders and the merchants the merchant princes Mm. i didn't really fully understand what was going on there Mm. um and yeah even what you said like the mechanics of the religion i didn't my understanding was i don't even what was my understanding that they worship nuclear power yeah, I feel like they made the popular the populations worship nuclear power so that they had the power of the people behind protecting it and therefore the kings couldn't eliminate it or it kept it alive or it made it powerful so that the foundation had the upper hand because they had it and mm-hmm. the kingdoms didn't. But it's quite far-fetched. <laughs> it's a real commentary on how the general population is viewed mm. by Asimov because he obviously, it's essentially saying we can fool normal people into thinking technology is magic and that there's a galactic spirit or whatever behind it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that'll make us powerful because they'll protect it at all costs, which isn't a great show of faith in the abilities of normal people. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Is there anything else that you... uh, This is your last chance to ever talk about Foundation again, probably. Oh dear. Um, No. (laughs) No. Me neither. I'm sorry to say, (laughs) but no. I would be really interested to know if there are any listeners who have read Foundation who really enjoyed it and think that we are just completely wrong in our stunning dislike of the book Mm. where we've missed something which obviously could just be down to personal preference Mm. but there might also be a really clever plot point that we've just completely missed that makes it into the amazing thing that it's supposed to be. Yeah, I would be curious to hear from people. From what I've read on Goodreads, it's very popular. I mean, it has a pretty high rating anyway. Mm. There are comments along the lines of this is the best sci-fi I've ever read or this is the most ambitious Mm. piece of literature 
ever written. Mm. Yeah, you see, I read a quote that was, Foundation is the book that many sci-fi enthusiasts love to pretend that they've read. Okay. Which is really interesting, because maybe there are people who haven't read it who want to be seen as loving, I don't know, Mm. loving the greatest sci-fi book of all time. There was one review on Goodreads that I read by Jonathan, who rated it two stars on December 28th, 2010. And he wrote a really long review that was really considered, but also really damning. Mm. And I'm not going to lie, I've probably sort of stolen some of his material (laughs) unknowingly. But he basically appears to be a real sci-fi nerd who decided to read it because it is the foundation of modern Mm sci-fi and says at the end, I'm not going to bother anymore. I'd rather stick to my new stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. And that interested me because that's somebody who's obviously really into their sci-fi and um, has a similar opinion. Mm-hmm. You said that Ashton enjoyed it. Have you spoken to yes. him about what he liked about it? Uh, no, I haven't because when we when we had that discussion, it was in about February or something, and I we hadn't agreed to chat about it. But I wonder if we should maybe chat to him the next time we do a do a dwarves mm. call. Yeah. And see what he thinks. Yeah. Just thinking about it now makes me think back to having, you know, mandatory reading in school and the kind of books that we had to read and we were told that they were really important and therefore we need to... We were kind of told that we should like them and if we don't like them, then we obviously just didn't get it. So we're not smart enough or I don't know. Yeah. So I wonder if this is kind of the same. It was really foundational (laughs) at the time when it came out. But it hasn't really, in my opinion, stood the test of time. No. But I think that most people wouldn't say that. They would just say, well, Mm. because of when it was written, we have to forever Mm. consider it to be one of the most important pieces of sci-fi because it was the first of its kind. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's good. No, and also, you know, we are reading this, we're doing this because we love reading, Mm. not because we are literature experts who consider the provenance of every story. There are definitely some books that we had to read at school, like Lord of the Flies, Mm -hmm. that I found really annoying at the time, and now I have fond memories of them. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a completely different genre. Mm. So I read Lord of the Flies last year, I think, for the first time ever. I hadn't read it. I think it was compulsory reading in school, but not when I was at the school that I w- w- would have read it. I enjoyed it. Like I, I didn't think it was phenomenal. I, It was okay, like <laughs> average for me, mm. I suppose. But I wonder if that was more because I knew already what it was about and I knew the ending, so it wasn't mm. so shocking for me. But I remember when Andreas read it, he, he didn't know anything about it. So mm. when everything happened, he was really like, wow, this is amazing. Mm. Um, it was the same with uh, 1984. Um, He doesn't really follow pop culture so much, so anything is really as if he's discovering it for the first time, which is kind of great. Has he read Um, Animal Farm? I don't know if he has. We have it at home. I I read it a few years ago as well. I would be really interested to know how he reacted to that. Yeah, I'll, I'll ask him if he wants to give it a go. It's quite a short book, so. Yeah. The one that really sticks out in my mind is Catcher in the Rye. I've not read it. So disappointed. I think it probably oh, really? for me, it's maybe on par with Foundation. I think it was just so hyped up. So I was really expecting something phenomenal and life changing. And it was just an angsty teenage boy mm. who just thought the world owed him everything. Not for me. 
Mm, I'm suddenly feeling really inadequate in my knowledge of literature. Why? <laughs> like what makes a good book and I don't know. I think I've shied away from making things too academic. One of the reasons I didn't do English language A-level was because they studied Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Mm. And I didn't want to study it because, obviously, having such a place in my heart, I didn't want to know anything bad about it. Mm -hmm. And obviously, if you're going to do a critical study of something, you've got to know the good and the bad. And suddenly making me think maybe I've got a pretty naive way of reading. But then also, why is that wrong? I don't think it is. If I read for enjoyment, mm. but maybe I would have enjoyed normal people more and foundation more if I thought more critically when I was reading rather than just blasting through a story. I feel like this is a philosophical question that we can't answer right now. <laughs> yeah, no, probably not. And I, I have mm. had similar thoughts in the past that, um, you know, that the books that I read aren't considered... High literature. High li yeah, exactly. High literature. Mm. Or how I... What, what did I say in the first episode? Something about high fantasy. You know, I don't read high fantasy or... Mm. Yeah. What snobbish people would consider the real fantasy. Mm. And for a long time, I did feel like this was a lacking character trait or something in myself. I don't really care anymore. I think I've gotten to the age where, so what? I can, if I enjoy it, I'll just read it. I'm trying to be much more critical f for the books that we're reading for the podcast so that we have stuff to discuss. But I don't know, maybe, maybe having a degree in English literature would give us more tools of how to approach reading these books but mm. well, we're not going to go back and do an English literature review uh, degree no and I think also I did A-level music and obviously part of that was A-level uh, was cinematic music and music for television and for a really long time it ruined television for me and movies because you obviously learn about all the devices that are used to create tension and to underpin what's happening in whatever is on screen and when I was able to analyze something I would hear something before there was action on screen and I would know what was about to happen mm -hmm. and it meant that I was always analyzing stuff instead of just sitting down and enjoying it and I would be worried that I would lose the ability to just enjoy it mm -hmm. if I got too into it yeah maybe <laughs> I think that we have probably said all that there is to say on the matter. I think so. So I think the last thing for us to do then is to introduce the next book, which is my choice, and it will be Darker Shades of Magic by V.E. Schwab, I think is how you pronounce her name. Mm -hmm. And it's the first book in a trilogy. I will tell you next time why I chose it. I won't give it away. Nope. But I'm looking forward to it. As you said already in this episode, I think it's more in line with what we usually read ourselves in our free time. So I'm hopeful that mm -hmm. it will be good. And I'm curious to know what you think as well. Yeah, I haven't started it yet. And I really need to, because we've only got a week now. Yes, yes. <laughs> but I can, I've got this, I've got this. I'm just going to be knitting, so I can read and knit at the same time, no problem. Wonderful. Are you going to read or are you going to mm. audiobook it? No, I'm going to read. I've, I'm, I'm trying to read more. I've cancelled my Audible subscription. I know. I know. Partly because I've now got a wedding to pay for. <laughs> but also, like you say, about trying to pay more attention when you're reading so that we can actually talk about it. Mm -hmm. I find it much easier to do that when I'm reading. Um, and there are still a few books that I've got on Audible, but they're not books that we have chosen to read. Okay. So I'm still sort of listening to them. I listened to one after I finished Foundation so that 
I could get that out of my system. But it's more just having a story on in the background rather than like being really possible to talk about mm-hmm. it. So yeah. you are still reading in your free time. This hasn't completely taken yeah. over then. No, 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 no. No, still reading. I can't remember what that book was called. It was some crime thing. It was it was good. Mm-hmm. But also not something that I would remember in 10 years time that I'd read it, you know? Just one mm-hmm. of those bit of relief things. Yeah. Yeah, I was the same after we finished 10,000 Doors. I was like, I'll just read something for myself. I'll give mm-hmm. I'll give the podcast a bit of a break. Yeah. Um so yeah, I just read some paranormal. And I think that's interesting. Because I think if we get if we make reading too much into a chore, we're not going to enjoy it, and then we won't want to do this anymore. Yes. But but I have been really excited because we published the first episode of the podcast this week. Yes, we did. Our friends loved it, and yep. I saw some people commenting on the Instagram who I thought that you might know in person. Oh yes, sorry, from Owen. Yes, I do yeah. know Owen. Yes. Yeah, and then a few of my friends commented on it as well. So Nikita and Dom. Mm-hmm. It's really exciting. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's a bit scary. Did you see what Nikita said about Sirius? Massively disagreeing with us. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I really like that. I loved that she said it to us and it yeah. did make me sort of sit back and think, oh my gosh, maybe I have interpreted that in a different way and there's no right or wrong, but it's interesting mm. to hear what other people think. Yeah, absolutely. This is yeah, this is one of the reasons why we started this and also exactly. to hear what other people have to say, start a conversation. Mm. And one of my colleagues, Shaz, made a comment about how um, she now needs to read four books in two weeks in order to listen to the second episode. I was like, oh, uh, like, so you know her? A reading club, yeah, yeah. I went oh, with her. okay, cool. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Yeah, because yeah. I, I saw that comment, but I, I didn't know if it was someone that we knew. I thought it yeah. was. Yeah, but oh, it's very exciting. Feels real. Yes. I feel like we'd sort of lost the momentum because we started recording so long ago and then yeah. clicking play or clicking the go button, as I called it, was oh, amazing. <laughs> I know. I'm kind of glad that it happened on a day off. Yeah. Otherwise, I think I've just been thinking about it the whole day and yeah. uh, just refreshing Anchor, trying to see if anyone is actually yeah. to it. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But it is also it's good to have feedback. So it's nice. Yes. Lovely. Alrighty. Well, if there is nothing else, then... Yeah, I think we'll finish it there. Mm. And uh, I look forward to talking to you next week. Yes, sounds good. I shall talk to you then. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. You can send your feedback, thoughts, questions, and book recommendations to us at reading.materials.podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram as readingmaterialspod. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Until next time, keep reading.